This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. Turn to a better nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. Nome, North Dakota is a town of around 100 people, about an hour away from Fargo. A trip to this small farming town will reveal a new enterprise in a very old location. Not only is the business quite a story, but is an example of how two entrepreneurs developed a business plan a local bank would secure. The story is one that could be replicated in other rural areas. It's our topic for this week's Farming the Countryside, brought to you by Pivot Bio. When it comes to using nitrogen on my corn, the more predictable, the better. That's why I've used Pivot Bio Proven 40 on my corn for the past two seasons. With Pivot Bio, I know my crops are getting the nitrogen they need, no matter the weather. And now, that same predictability is available right on the corn seed. Pivot Bio Proven 40 on seed gives growers even more flexibility with their nitrogen plant. In a time of rising nitrogen prices, it's good to know you have a secure source of nitrogen that can be right on the seed. To learn more, contact your local sales rep or just go to pivotbio.com. I recently had a chance to attend an event in Nome, North Dakota. If you look Nome up on the map, well, it's not very large at all, just about 100 people, and it's not exactly on the beaten path. You'll drive several rural roads to get there. But that's just what lots of people are doing these days. They are driving, or even flying, and then driving to get to Nome, North Dakota. I sat down with Teresa Perleberg and Chris Armbrust. They are the co-owners of the Nome Schoolhouse and Shepherd Industries. These two ladies had established careers and farm-based businesses and were looking to expand. What I found was quite a business, using an old schoolhouse as the location. You will really need to look this up on the web because the pictures are quite interesting. I won't give away the story at this point. I'll let them do the talking, but I was impressed with the determination of this pair and the work they put into their business and the business plan that helped a local bank partner with them on what is a thriving business. It's an example of what can be done in many rural communities or people looking to have a farm-based business. Teresa began with some of the answers to my questions during my visit. You all can pick this up wherever you want to, but this schoolhouse had been vacant for quite a while, so do you all just have a dream to go buy a schoolhouse? How's this all begin? <laughs> uh, we didn't necessarily have a dream to buy an old schoolhouse. Uh, we, all, we both liked old buildings. Uh, we needed a place for our businesses to expand, and we wanted a place, a destination for fiber artists to come and learn more about the fiber arts, and we decided to find an old school building <laughs> to renovate and this is the one we fell in love with so i knew that the fiber arts played into this so tell people what business you had it and because that goes on so what were you doing uh, our shepherd industries is a partnership between dakota fiber mill which is a fiber processing mill where we take raw natural fibers wool alpaca so on and so forth and process it into roving and yarns and then um, my business was Bear Creek Felting, and I teach people how to needle felt, which is making sculptures out of wool with a needle. And, and they're 100% wool, and I teach people how to do that through kits and an online academy. So you were doing this, and I guess it was a successful business for both of you at that time. So then how did the two of you come together? Or maybe you've known each other for a while to know about these businesses and what you wanted to do. 
So I also raised sheep and to provide the wool for the kits. And Chris did all of the processing for all the wool that went into my kits. At some point then you all decide, okay, we need a place to have a storefront. Is that what you were thinking or what was well, it? Well, we, we both needed to expand. We our, our businesses were busting at the seams. Teresa was currently working out of her basement and, and the mill that... Uh, the mill equipment was in needed to expand because we were just busting at the seams. So, so we decided to partner the two businesses and go big. <laughs> Had you known about this schoolhouse? Uh, I understand that you lived a little ways away. So how did you find out about this and, in a sense, fall in love with this? So I used to drive by this school on my way to Fargo, and I was always amazed by this huge school in this really tiny town. And when we, we started school shopping, and we um, looked at several different schools, and I just kept thinking about this one. And so we finally came and looked at it, and we fell in love with how it was preserved in time. Uh, it hadn't been modernized. It had sat empty for 50 years. All the woodwork wasn't messed with. There was no modernization at all. It was in pretty bad shape, but we saw the beauty in the old that was in it. This is radio, so they can't see it, but I've seen the pictures. Do you want to describe what it looked like inside? <laughs> oh, my goodness. It, um, well, picture, picture plaster falling off the walls. Um, in, in the basement level, all of the concrete had buckled because there was no rebar back then. So, so the concrete was going every which direction. Um, there, it had had water in that basement, so all of the woodwork had swollen, and there was, there was mold, and all the, the doors were in the stall. Bathroom stalls were all, you know, disarrayed. And, and then there was a family of raccoons that had moved in, so, of course, you had raccoon evidence everywhere and as well as just garbage and so much junk and but then you also saw textbooks and desks and the old trophy case and woodwork that was absolutely amazing and beautiful all the hardwood floors were buckling but they were still beautiful (laughs) well i might ask you mentioned it hadn't really been touched. Why hadn't it been touched? I'm surprised that somebody hadn't, I say taken, not as in steel, but taken some of that or done something. Why had it sat here for so long? Well, they had a couple school auctions where they sold, you know, a lot of the things, but I don't know if they could get the trophy case out. I don't. Yeah. And um, people, there was somebody that had owned it right after the first auction, and then that changed hands I don't know, at least once or twice after that, but they didn't really do anything with the school. They had plans. They used the, the gym for storage and things, but but nothing was done with it, and it was hidden by trees. The trees grew up in front of it, and you didn't even really know it was here. So why do this as opposed to just either build a building or find something that didn't take as much work? Why? You can't build character. You, you just, I mean, you walk into this, this building and and it's just a piece that envelops you and and as you walk up the steps the creaking and and everything it just it yeah the history the history that 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 we saved I mean it was going to be demolished that that was its fate and and we saved it from that and and we couldn't be more proud of that and yeah so we 
We'd been asked for many years, like people wanted to come see the sheep, see the entire process. They wanted to learn about sheep and the wool and what we do with it. And we wanted a destination for people to come from all over the United States to come to a place. It had to be unique and different. Uh, If we would have built a tin building on our farm, it wouldn't have been the same. It wouldn't have drawn the same amount of people. And we we knew we needed a place for them to come and stay. And this is almost country, but it's in a town because <laughs> it's on the edge and it's a very small town. So. Yeah, yeah. I see the, the sign out front with Bank North that helped with the project. And not to try to pry into finances, but still I think people are interested in this. Number one, how do you do it financially? Number two, how do you convince somebody else to take this ride in a sense with you because this is a, a dilapidated building at the time so how do you do that yeah that that was a feat in and of itself um we were very fortunate that that we met an old an alumni of gnome early on that agreed to give us the loan and to be the risk basically with the agreement that in the first two years then we would roll it into conventional financing and one thing that was so amazing, I mean, he was an alumni, raised to riches story. Um, he has factories all over the world. He developed an, a product that takes the, the, husks. the husks off the corn. So if you've ever had frozen or canned corn, it has touched one of his machines. I mean, amazing entrepreneur. He's got five patents, I believe. And anywho, um, so he agreed to give us the loan. And on top of that, he gave us so much wisdom, so much business wisdom. And one of the things that he, that he told us was, when you go to a bank to, to, to look for financing, you go to that bank offering them an opportunity to come alongside you, not begging for money. You are offering them. It's to their benefit. Um, so that, that was interesting. So when we started um, going off, to get that conventional financing to all the different banks. We, we, we knew we had um, the business plan, we had the financials, everything to support it, but we hit one wall after another and they didn't see it as an opportunity and they, they didn't, they, it, it was very frustrating, very frustrating. Um, we were, were very, very thankful that Bank North took that opportunity that we presented them and, and, uh, approve the loan so we were yeah we're very thankful to being north one of the things i like to do with this is for others that think about something maybe along these lines how do they overcome those challenges or was there anything specific you did eventually to get bank north in a sense to come along with you did your plans change over time i'm interested or did you just continue to get better at your at your pitch i don't know which it might have been that's a good question um because you know our our i I'm not sure on that respect. Um, you just have to keep yeah, yeah, because we didn't change. Our business plan didn't change. Our financials didn't change. I mean, it. We just kept. Oh my goodness! I bet it was 15 different banks that we went through, and every time you, it's a process. When you're, when you're, when you're, it's a multi-million dollar, you know, deal that it, it's not just an hour. I mean, you put a lot of work into each and every. A proposal that that you that you give to to whichever bank you're going to but just persevere and keep going because yeah bank north took it on right away and and it was just a different um they saw it as an opportunity i mean they and they treated us as such that made us feel like that like like ron said you know a couple years prior that yeah it, it was pretty amazing 
So talk about what had to be done. Once you secure this, uh, what do you begin to do and how long does it take? <laughs> well, the first thing we did is we had to secure, um, well, for, uh, oh my goodness, for the first six months we worked with architects and engineers and um, our families um, with cleaning and Teresa's boys, the lumberjacks, they had to clear the, <laughs> the, the large forest. And then, and then we, we secured a construction management team that oversaw the main um, uh, entities that, you know, all the HVAC, the plumbing, the electrical, the cons- you know, everything that needed to be done. And, and we, just, we just hit it hard in 2019 and grand opening was July 1st of 2021. So describe then what people experience today. There is, you know, meeting space, there's room space, but you've got events going on too. So describe what all's going on. So we have a boutique hotel upstairs with 11 guest rooms. Uh, We have uh, Thirsty Thursday where people can come (laughs) and enjoy a meal, uh, homemade uh, food on Thursday evenings every week. Uh, we do corporate things during the week, and we do weddings. We do retreats uh, focused on the fiber arts or any type of arts. We do classes throughout the week. You can come and stay here and just work on projects or just enjoy the scenery and um, and everything that we have here. We do have a store, um, and it's a wonderful small-town community uh, that is just fun for people to get out of the city and come and enjoy. Your gym makes a nice meeting space, doesn't it? It certainly does. And one thing that's really unique about which you were in it, the, the south wall is all woven with wool. It's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. <laughs> is the scoreboard original? It is. It is. That's a whole story. And how we had to get that back to Nome, but, but it's there. It's back. <laughs> well, you have brought several pieces back, not only for this school, but from this town, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, everything from pictures to the Statue of Liberty. Um, oh, my goodness. It's, it's such a long list. Well, the, the bank uh, sign, the yes, yes, train the Nome, depot. Yes, yes. Oh, yes, the, the, the depot sign, the, the Nome State Bank sign. Um, so, I mean, we, we at a point had to stop accepting kind of Nome memorabilia because we didn't have the room, so we had to just more focus on school, you know, memorabilia of the school itself because... Yeah. So for people that haven't looked at their road atlas, Nome is not exactly close to a metro area. (laughs) So how do you get people to make the journey? Or is that the magic that they want to make the journey to a place that is pretty far off the, the beaten path or at least a lot close to a metropolitan area? Yes, it's definitely the uniqueness. It's the building. It's the history. Um, We do a lot of things on social media, on our YouTube channel. Um, We have a lot of uh, fiber arts fans that are, this is a destination for them. They can't wait to come. We hope to have animals here soon. Uh, We are going to have an area in the back of the school where we have fiber animals. So you can meet all the fiber animals that provide the wool for our business that is downstairs. And uh, we'll have several different kinds of sheep, (laughs) alpaca, uh, llama, and you can see and meet those animals uh, when you visit. How do you continue to keep the, the, you know, the folks coming out here? Is it just that continual marketing? Because I'm sure that's something that you're all, and when you did the business plan, I'm sure you had to think through, okay, we've got to not only do this for one year, we've got to do this for a few years, and you want to obviously have a successful business. Well, we pick folks up at the airport and bring them, and, and it's, a, it's about a little over an hour to, 
to either airport, either in Jamestown or in Fargo, and we bring them here and and we take care of everything. We wine and dine them, and we have an on-site chef. Um, and and the fact that there's no place in the world that once we get the fiber herd here, the fiber education herd, we'll have everything from, you know, like. Teresa said, all the different breeds of sheep. We'll be able to do animal care clinics. Um, you'll be able to meet the animals, learn how the, the the fiber is removed from the animals, doesn't harm them, learn the whole process of what it takes to, to make that from that raw fiber into a usable product all down in the basement, and then learn what to do with it from there, you know, crafting. And, well, you can just stay and retreat and just have an amazing time. Yeah, yeah. For others that may be listening to this and they say, boy, I wish I could renovate my fill-in-the-blank, schoolhouse, old storefront, whatever it is, what advice would you tell them? I, I'm hoping you'd say, well, it's worth it, but it is a long road to travel. So what advice would you give them? I, I would say go for it. I mean, and we were, we've been called every horrible name in the book. We're crazy. We don't know what we're doing. I mean, we had people that, that when this first started that would go out of their way to email us and tell us how we were going to fail and how, it, this, you know, what were we thinking about renovating this building? Have you even seen it? I mean, it was horrible. And, yes, it takes longer. It takes more money. And it takes more perseverance. And for Teresa and I, we're women of faith. I mean, and, and it started on our knees, and, and God gave us the open door, and, and we ran with it. And, and it yes, and, and what's been kind of amazing since then is we've had folks that have reached out to us that, that want to do something with their old school, that want to do something with their old city bank, and where do we begin? And it's been pretty amazing to be able to tell them, how to start and this is what you do and and did you do it all on grants and no if you think you're going to do it all on grants don't even start because you cannot do it all on grants and yeah and it's it's and it's so worth it in the end oh my goodness you have something that that cannot be replicated ever i'm interested because the fiber arts play such an important role in what you're doing do you think you really needed that to make this go because there'd be other people that say okay i'll just do a bed and breakfast type of thing in an old schoolhouse or an old building perhaps they can make it that way but is it the fiber arts piece of this that is really going to make it take off or how do you look at it now that we're a couple of years down the road it's definitely the fiber arts mm-hmm. part that um made us confident. I mean, we had grown successful businesses. Uh, We knew that we had a following. I've been working on social media for years. I mean, we've been in business since 2008 uh, individually, and we had been building that following, and we knew it was there. We knew I had reached out to them and asked them, would you come (laughs) to a place in Nome, North Dakota? And they all said yes, if it had all the things um, where we could learn about the fiber arts and meet the animals and escape the city. And so we know that that is a big part of it. Um, we do ship all over the world. We're shipping needle felting kits and all the products that we make. We're shipping them all over the world. And so there is a lot of money that is being made um, in the mill to help this and we, <laughs> building. We, yeah, we've already seen it. I mean, we've, we have folks that have visited from so many different states that we've picked them up at the airport. And the ones that come, they book again. I mean, everyone who has come is coming back and comes back. And everyone who comes and visits says that they're going to come back and stay. And they can't believe, oh, we, they actually have their own bathroom and it's actually a hotel. And it's and they can't believe the, the, the level of food that they're served. And, and yeah, and we have no TVs, which is by design. So 
you can just come here and unplug. You had an idea that others have done, which is having a meeting venue or wedding venue or something like that. So would that have been easier to do? Oh, absolutely. I think if we would have approached it from the sense that we're going to open a wedding venue, um, a meeting space, and, and with with some some guest rooms that that the banks could have understood that, whereas they didn't take the time to understand our very successful businesses and learn about them because they're unique and it's a niche that is, you know, you can't compare it to anything. Talk about the foundation that you have established, because that's going to help then with some of the education, correct? So we have a a nonprofit called the Gnome University, and university is spelled E-W-E, university. um, And that is providing all of the educational um, things that we are doing here at the school. They're going to provide the educational uh, flock of fiber animals, and they provide all of the the classes. We're hoping to add scholarships and things so people can come and learn that couldn't afford to. And if you come here, you're going to see pieces of the old school combined with new. I mean, every room, does it have a chalkboard in it? Uh, a lot of them do, right? Yes, a lot of them do. And, and it's kind of cool because folks have started leaving messages on the chalkboards as they leave, and it's, it's been pretty neat. And so then periodically we have to erase them because they get so full. <laughs> but we always take pictures, and, yeah, it's pretty cool. Is there still more to do with this building? Uh, I mean, you've done so much. You've been open for a while. But some parts, I mean, I can tell have not been as touched as much, or perhaps that's the way we're going to stay. How do you feel? There's a lot of parts that we're not going to change. Um, we, we like the history, even if, you know, part of the wall is missing. <laughs> missing. I mean, that's what we like because we want people to remember what it was. It was falling apart when we, when we came upon it. And so we want to remember that. And there is still uh, several things that we need to do. Uh, we're just taking it slowly with the decorating, and it all happened really fast. We were trying to get done for an all-school reunion <laughs> uh, for the grand opening, and that was their first um, all-school reunion back in the school, um, and there was quite a few that came. But, yeah, there's still things that we want to do. Well, I noticed the class pictures are downstairs. I suspect that you have a lot of alumni that this is something very special to them they saw their school vanish and now you brought it back right absolutely i mean it's it's amazing the the alumni that come back how they can remember second third fourth fifth grade like it was yesterday i it's just i mean we just sit there with our jaws dropping sometimes at some of the neat stories that that we have heard time and time again the last class that graduated here was what year 1966 it was no, bit- then it was an elementary school okay. for four more years, so it was decommissioned in 1970. All right, all right. We've already mentioned Gnome, but how do people find you or check this out? Because some of them will say, I want to see what I'm getting into, perhaps before I go all the way to Gnome. You can find us at gnomeschoolhouse.com. Uh, all of our products that we make uh, for Shepherd Industries are found on bearcreekfelting.com. And then you can find the nonprofit information on university.org and that's ewe university.org and you're open year-round even in the middle of the winter yes definitely (laughs) (laughs) it's the coziest time of the year it is there's no better place to be during a blizzard than in the schoolhouse in Nome, north dakota yes well you've got fireplaces absolutely (laughs) (laughs) very good i appreciate the time yeah thank you very much thanks for having us I encourage you to check out their business on the web or even stop by for a visit if you are in that area of the country. The work on the schoolhouse is very well done, 
In fact, they even have the old scoreboard working in the gym that now hosts events. They are truly attracting people from near and far, and they've been doing this for a while now. It's really a good example of what others could do with similar situations. On this final show of 2022, I want to thank you for listening to Farm in the Countryside. Remember, you can follow Farm in the Countryside on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Just type in Farm in the Countryside. We're always using the social media platforms to share more information, pictures, and videos during the week. I do hope you'll connect with me and share ideas or tell me what topics you enjoy. I try to offer a variety of ag and rural-related topics. The feedback I get is that the variety is good, but I do appreciate ideas you have to share. As we close out the year, I want to also say thank you to our staff. Tom Brand, longtime producer of our daily show, American Countryside, for 26 years now. You can catch that show at AmericanCountryside.com on many radio stations or follow it on Facebook. Also, a big thanks to Chrissy Reinert, who helps with radio affiliates, Brandilyn Twellman, who works with our social media accounts, and my family, who helps keep the farm and the broadcasts going. A special thanks to my son, Luke, who, if you follow Farming the Countryside on Instagram or TikTok, well, you're seeing some of the work of a 15-year-old kid who loves the farm and loves editing video of the things we do on the farm. I encourage you to check it out. And remember, you can hear these shows in a variety of ways, too, at farmingthecountryside.com, on many local radio stations, or on your favorite podcast platform. I wish you a happy new year. We'll see you in 2023. I'm Andrew McRae. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. Turn to better nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com.